Welcome to Workforce Rx with Futuro Health, where future-focused leaders in education, workforce development, and healthcare explore new innovations and approaches. I'm your host, Vonton Quinlevin, CEO of Futuro Health. Workforce shortages remain a top concern of healthcare system leaders throughout the U.S., and of course, a key topic for this podcast. Our focus today is on higher education and what's happening and needs to happen so that it can provide solutions for both learners and employers in healthcare. For that, I'm happy to welcome Carolyn Van Oosten, the Vice President of Strategic Business Development at Unitech Learning, a provider of workforce solutions and career training programs for the healthcare industry. In this role, she's responsible for external partnerships with employers, clinical organizations, associations, community groups, and other key stakeholders. Carolyn is a seasoned leader and business growth expert with over 20 years of experience with private institutions in higher education, including for-profits and not-for-profits. And she is passionate about the career advancement of leaders and professionals alike. Thanks very much for joining us today, Carolyn. We're delighted to have you. Thank you so much for having me. This is a wonderful experience to be able to join you today and be able to share some of our knowledge. Well, let's begin this way. You've worked, Carolyn, for several colleges and educational institutions throughout your career, including your current role at Unitech Learning. What are some commonalities across institutions of higher ed, and what keeps you interested in this work? Yes, um, honestly, everything is very similar. So the difference is really depending on the programs that we offer and then depending the settings where we offer them. But the institutions always have the same plights. And I think that the most common denominator that I see is the fact that students want to go through the program at a fast pace and be workforce ready immediately so that they can get jobs. So those two things, I think, are the biggest common things that are threads that I see throughout the for-profit and non-for-profit institutions. However, the key is being able to be very deliberate and intentional in how you're delivering the education model and be able to provide something that is at a fast pace, yet quality and affordable. That's the key piece. And then what keeps me interested in the work I do is education. For me, education is power. It has been the driver of uh, my career ever since I started. And uh, for over 20 years, I've seen how it can really impact people's lives. It can change people's lives. It can take them from working, for example, as a groundskeeper in an organization and take them all the way to being a nurse practitioner. Um, those type of changes are just amazing to watch and really rewarding. So that's what keeps me interested in the work I do. And you champion a lot of innovation in higher education. I'd love for you to talk about an innovation that you're doing right now at Unitech Learning. Yes, about three and a half years ago, actually, um, we decided to go ahead and branch out and listen to what our partners had to say. Uh, many of them were coming to us again with how can I get workforce ramped up very quickly and also how can we go ahead and plan for the future. 
if you remember, that is in the midst of COVID, it's in the midst of burnout, it's in the midst of all of these things that were happening in that particular point in time. And we kind of said, okay, let's take a step back. Let's digest everything that they've provided to us, all this feedback. And what are three things that we can focus on that can really help our uh, partner institutions? One was with retention. That's the key piece, not even recruiting, but more so retention, bringing people into the mix and then having them stay is a key factor. And then being able to go ahead and project and not constantly be chasing your tail and finding out how can I go ahead and have five, 10, 20 more employees. So what we came up with is a practice ready solution. So we have what we call a school in the box and the school in the box What it is, it's just like it sounds. We basically put the school, we take it on the road, and we meet these employers and healthcare institutions where they are. They're able to go ahead and provide the setting for the clinicals and the skills lab, and we're able to go ahead and provide all of the essentials, um, the curriculum, the approvals, uh, the faculty, all of the pieces that are necessary to be able to deliver the curriculum and have these individuals be practice ready the moment that they graduate. And they integrate actually beforehand because many times, as I mentioned earlier, we've seen individuals that have joined our program that have been working in different capacities at these hospitals and healthcare institutions. And then they're able to go ahead and progress and stay. And I can't tell you how many of them have said, you know what, I was gonna go ahead and work at this other hospital or change, but I'm staying here because I see how this hospital is investing in me and I'm able to grow and build my career here with them. Can you give us examples of occupations that can go on the road in the school in a box format? Yes. So we currently focus on the LVN, LPM program, which is licensed vocational nurse or licensed practicing nurse. Uh, We also have the CNA program or the nurse assistant program that we offer. We offer everything from the RN to BSN program. We can do that on site. That's fully online as well. And then we have our associate's degree in nursing and bachelor's degree in nursing. And then we even offer our master's degree in nursing. And that's an interesting focus because Part of the workforce solutions that we bring to the table is being able to offer opportunities for individuals that perhaps have already a bachelor's degree, but they might be interested in teaching for us. We offer them the opportunity to get our master's program, and then they can teach for us on site. Again, weaving that culture, weaving all of those nuances of those institutions into the curriculum that we offer on site. Let me uh, ask one more follow-up question. Uh, in a prior podcast, one of the guests talked about the tuition reimbursement and how that particular public university really was thoughtful about the pricing such that it's within the tuition reimbursement amount of $52.50. Um, does your program tap into that type of tuition support or is it more of an out-of-pocket arrangement with the employer? Yeah, that's a great question, Bon. So We do both. We do a combination of both. So the way we look at it, um, whenever we have these cohorts on site with the school in the box in this type of model, we see that as a three-way partnership. So we have the student, 
involved, so they have some financial responsibilities. The hospital institution is involved, and like you said, many of them, because of the tax brackets, they can go ahead and have 5250, and that becomes a tax deferment. So that's a great way of them being able to capitalize on that. And then our tuition is a special tuition price for partners. So the students are able to go ahead and take advantage of that um, special tuition break that we offer to our partners. So everyone involved really has the opportunity to be able to uh, be invested in what we're doing and being able to provide these workforce solutions on site. Well, thank you for sharing that innovation on on retention for healthcare employers. I'm sure that's going to be of tremendous interest to those who are struggling with this issue. Yes. Uh, Carolyn, maybe we can move up a few thousand feet. You know that today's higher education leaders have major challenges in navigating the daunting headwinds of a really a constantly changing landscape. What does an effective leader need to know how to do and how has that changed over the years in your observation? Yeah, my observation, I think that the um, leadership has become more collaborative. I think in the past, we had our traditional models where everything was very siloed, everyone was very focused. So you had your admissions team, you had your resident advisors, everyone worked in their own area and they weren't looking at what one another was doing. I think right now, and this is something that I know Unitech has been really focused on, is really integrating all of these silos and coming together with holistic solutions that are student-centric. So we're really looking at the student as the epicenter of everything that's happening. And then how do we interact and how can we go ahead and put everything together to make sure that the student has a good outcome from our curriculum? Because again, we're trying to get them through at a fast pace and uh, get them working as quickly as possible, but also being efficient and being uh, professional. So all of those pieces come together by having that. Our student services team is just, they have been really focusing a lot of their resources on looking at all of those elements and integrating all of them and making sure that the students are ready. As you all know, the students have been changing and evolving too. Students, for example, in the past, everything, I mean, even when I went back to school, I remember going to the stacks and going into the library and doing the Dewey Decimal System. That doesn't exist anymore. Right now, we have people that have um, information at their fingertips. Uh, Everything is moving at a very fast pace. So how can we engage them and make sure that they're learning and retaining all of the information that we're imparting on them so that they can go ahead and turn around again and integrate into the workforce as quickly as possible. Back to the leadership is really being at that high level, looking at how all of those elements and pieces come together, how they can collaborate and work more efficiently together. Because you can trust me that if you do that, you will see that you will have better retention rates and better outcomes in your students. So you talk about being student-centric, needing to be digital first uh, in terms of interactions with with the students, and yet students are walking with their feet. There's been a drop of uh, higher education enrollment across the board. We're familiar with the drivers such as the shrinking youth population that normally feeds colleges. We're familiar with the rising student loan situation. Are there any other lesser known factors at work here, and what do colleges need to do about them? 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. So one of the things that we are seeing, and healthcare is a little bit different because there's always a need. We never have, oh, you know what? I have a surplus of healthcare providers. <laughs> I haven't seen that in my 20 plus years. On the contrary, I've always heard of all of these shortages and how these are, you know, they go in ebbs and flow, but it's still a lot of shortage and a lot of need and demand. So in our case, uh, one of the pieces that we've seen in the space has been the challenges of working with different entities with regards to seats, for example, which ties into the instructors. Are there going to be enough instructors that can go ahead and teach X amount of students? Um, we've seen numbers of students being turned away from higher education institutions because there aren't enough instructors to teach at that. And that's one of the things that I think um, a lot of people don't realize. And then also the red tape that's involved in opening up, for example, a new institution or opening up more seats, because you do have to evidence that we are able to go ahead and support um, the education for all these students. So those are the type of things that I think a lot of people miss and they think, oh, you know, we just we have all these seats open and it's great and just come and teach. But not really when you break it down to the employment and jobs that are necessary, that's where that comes into play. So for example, like I mentioned with healthcare, with nurses, for example, there's they're always in demand, but there's always a shortage of instructors. So it goes back to that cycle that we mentioned where we are very cognizant of that. And that's why we enable our partners to go ahead and put their individuals through our program so that we can not only have more providers in the workforce, but also have more educators in the educational workforce. So again, it ties it all together because those are different nuances. Another key piece too is the clinical space. For these type of programs, you have to have that opportunity to be on site and be able to learn hands-on on patients. So those are the type of things that the type of partnerships that we establish help alleviate and help bridge that so that we can evidence that to the regulating bodies, the boards of nursing, the boards of education, and being able to show that we are able to go ahead and create these environments where we can teach these students and have them practice ready. So let's for a moment talk about stacking credentials, which is an important growing trend. You shared, for example, your school in the box has the nursing assistant, and then that stacks up to the LVN, that stacks up to the RN, stacks up to the BSN, and there's master's level. So you're living this system of stackable credentials. What best practices do you see are meeting both the needs of the learners and the employers specific to the healthcare sector when it comes to this approach of stacking credentials? I know it's it's interesting because there's such a buzz about stacking credentials. And in, in healthcare, we think, well, that's, that's the nature of healthcare is stacking credentials, is being able to go ahead and progress and be able to specialize. And you do that by obtaining different certificates and obtaining different trainings. And so it just comes as second nature to us. The key piece is really finding practical applications to real world experience. So that way those stackable credentials, again, are practice ready that individuals can go ahead and utilize them right away. And that they also relate 
to the different uh, degree programs. So you mentioned a couple that you can kind of see the progression. So for example, medical assistant, um, they can go ahead and then jump into becoming an LPN or LVN. They can then jump in and become an associate's uh, degree prepared nurse. So all of those things are definitely possible. The key is having institutions that are really focused on how can we go ahead and make that capitalize on that. So for example, with the MA program is making sure that it would be an easy transition for someone who has an MA program from us or from other institution that they can transition into those different degrees and it being seamless. And that also they can apply the work that they've already done into the new career path that they're deciding to embark on. So all of those elements are really key to um, having that seamless transition and being efficient. Uh, because again, being student-centric, it's how can we go ahead and get these students practice ready at a fast pace, but with quality in mind. So again, even if you're looking at it from an educational perspective and learning perspective, what a better way of you know starting off as an MA or a CNA and then being able to apply that knowledge that you already have to the new career that you're looking at, that's just only going to solidify the learnings that you've already had. So it just kind of builds on it and, again, makes for a better practitioner at the end of the day. So, Carolyn, does that mean, like, for example, this year, uh, Futuro Health is underwriting 800 Futuro Health scholars through the medical assistant education journey, right, in order to get their medical assistant credential? Does that mean that there's a path for them towards the nursing with Unitech Learning? Absolutely. Uh, we build our programs that way. And I can't tell you how many of our students, our current students, not even with the Futuro program, that also decide to do that. Um, we had one that we just recently interviewed, and that's exactly what her pathway was. She started off in the MA program with us at Unitech College, and then she progressed and uh, became an LPN. And then she graduated. So those are the type of things that we see these students being able to do. And that's what we hope that everyone that goes through any of our programs is able to go ahead and build on and be able to expand on and really look at it as a career pathway. And I think that that's really important going back to what I had mentioned about changing people's lives. It's very impactful to see how, you know, they might start off in, in a smaller role with the organization, but through the education, they can build on that and then become leaders in the organizations that they work in. Higher ed analysts estimate that 10 to 20% of four-year colleges are at operational risk, and they expect a recent uptick in closures that will continue through next year. How do you think these institutions need to adapt in order to survive? Yeah, that's a great question and definitely something that's top of mind with all institutions um, is really looking at that bottom line. And especially in the in the private sector because, and even in the public sector, where funding is limited. Um, there's a lot of different programs out there where there are fundings, but that's mainly for the public sector. So in the private sector, it's really being mindful of resources and 
capitalizing on resources that you already have. Um, as I mentioned with our student services focus, for example, is really looking at how all of those different positions that help support our students, they're woven together. And one way of doing that is by centralizing. And that's something that we've been able to do is really focus on centralizing our services. So again, we're not overlapping. We're being very mindful of the resources and we're really focusing our resources on the areas that matter the most. So for example, for us, one key piece is um, making sure that the students are ready to pass their examinations, whether it's for the NCLEX examination or any others, it's very important. So we have a lot of a whole team of individuals and departments that is focused on that alone. And again, they work very closely with the student services so that we can go ahead and see what might be affecting these students. A lot of the students that go through our program are students that are re-careering or adult learners. So a lot of them have a lot of challenges that come into play that is not your traditional student who's just focused on going to school and graduating. They have all sorts of things that are pulling them in different directions. So we have to be very cognizant and mindful of all of those things and seeing how we can best support them. Well, we have a lot of experience with adult learners and you know they have particularly complicated lives. You and I talked offline about a training structure called learn and earn models. I'd love for you to share your thoughts about learn and earn models, especially as a way to achieve kind of lower debt or or no debt education. Absolutely. So the learn and earn model is becoming more and more prevalent and it's very exciting to see because it's something that we had talked about a while back and, and there were some early adopters, but now it's becoming more and more of a trend. And um, particularly in some of those diploma programs or uh, more of the technical programs, it's a wonderful way of being able to recruit individuals into the healthcare field or into any field for that matter, because these programs, we have more experience in the healthcare arena, but I know that they exist across the board. But it really brings those individuals into the fold and into the culture of the institutions right away. And then they are able to apply what they're learning immediately. So again, going back to that whole learning model, they're able to go ahead and solidify what they're learning and not forget it. Because how many times, I mean, how many courses did we take in college and we don't even remember <laughs> what they were and how did they apply to our everyday lives? With the learn and earn models, you can. You're doing that right on site. And many of the students, they apply a lot of their projects into what they're doing in their current job. So I think it's a wonderful way of them being able to really solidify their education. And then also, like you mentioned, be able to go ahead and graduate with little or no debt whatsoever. In many of the programs in our um, nurse assistant training program, that's what we do where the students graduate with no debt. And it's fantastic. I mean, they and they have a job already. So again, it goes back to that whole piece of being able to have these practice ready individuals and have them in the workforce right away. Well, let's wrap up today's podcast, Carolyn, and give you the opportunity to share what excites you about the future of learning and its intersection with the future of care. 
I think we're in a really pivotal time right now. We, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic. I think we're still seeing some elements of burnout with our practitioners. However, I'm seeing a renewed enthusiasm in individuals going into the healthcare profession. They're coming in with new lens. They're coming in with new perspectives and they're really embracing the whole idea of being able to take care of their patients because for healthcare, it's not a profession. I think it's a calling. And um, that's, I think, one of the key things that our team does is being able to go ahead and identify those individuals that are coming into the program, not just because they want to come in and then just check a box and move on. They're coming in because they have a calling. And that's how they retain and that's how they progress and that's how they grow. So I think the future of healthcare can be very exciting. Another element that we're integrating into our curriculum is AI and virtual reality. So a lot of these different things, again, kind of meeting those students where they are, that's something that's second nature, especially the younger generation. That's, I mean, they do that in their sleep. (laughs) So for us to be able to go ahead and capitalize on that and again, help them with their learning model, with things that they already are used to, that they already know and they're comfortable with, I think it can be very exciting. Well, we are so delighted to have hosted you on this podcast, Carolyn. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I'm Vontone Quinlevin with Futura Health. Thanks for checking out this episode of Workforce Rx. I hope you will join us again as we continue to explore how to create a future-focused workforce in America.